Thanks, David. Well, uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to uh, John chapter 1. We're doing things a little bit uh, in different order this morning, as you can tell, but uh, don't worry, it'll be okay. Um, We've been doing a series uh, just on one verse in John chapter 1, really just focusing on verse 14. And uh, we have looked at the word became flesh. The word dwelt among us was our second ser- sermon. Uh, we, he has revealed his glory. And uh, this Sunday we are focusing in on grace and truth. And so just in for the context, I'm going to read uh, the first uh, 18 verses And uh, when we get to verse 14, it's on the overhead. Join in with me and read it with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And with me, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. (coughs) Excuse me. So we want to talk about how Jesus' coming uh, brings God's grace. In fact, the writer here talks about grace upon grace. And we want to talk a little bit about the play there between grace and truth. But I knew that our youth were going to be and children were going to be in the service this morning. And so I wanted to illustrate this uh, with a game. So I have a couple volunteers or people who have been volunteered. Why don't you guys come up here? I don't know which it is. I'm not going to ask. All right. There is a prize for the game, so you want to keep that in mind. All right. Stand over here in front there on that side. Okay. All right, we have two tissue boxes. You have to remove them one by one as fast as you can. Okay, first empty box wins. Okay, don't grab a chunk of them. They got to come out, you know, fair. We got a lot of judges here. 
You can hold the box. Yes. Yeah, I don't want the box flying. All right. Okay, so get ready. Grab a hold of the box. Grab a hold of the first tissue. On your marks. Get set. Go. It's snowing. It's snowing. Oh! All right, winner gets to choose, dark or milk? Ooh, milk. Thank you. All right. No, no, this is great. I'm going to leave this for Rich. Now, I wanted to illustrate this idea if we picture the tissues here as God's grace. It's just something we can... We keep grabbing. Now, the illustration falls short in many different ways, but at least three. The first is, uh, God's grace doesn't run out. We, we don't get to the bottom of the box of God's grace. In fact, I don't know about you, but these boxes can sit in our family room for months. And, and all of a sudden you get sick, and it never fails. When you're sick, you grab the last one. And oh, we don't have any more. Um, God's grace isn't like that. When we get to that point where we need it the most, it's there. It's available. The second way this illustration falls short is, you know, we don't want to picture God's grace as just something we're just ripping through. Right? In fact, Paul says... Right? Grace abounds, so should, we, should, should sin abound so that we can use it? No, of course not. We, we don't want to just abuse God's grace. And the third way that this illustration falls short is God's grace is not cheap. It was costly. And so this morning, what we want to do is just real quickly, as we have a lot of special things going on, is introduce what grace is. And we want to talk about how God's grace is available through Jesus Christ how uh, we find it accessible through Jesus Christ, and how it is abundant in Jesus Christ. So real briefly, just trying to give us a definition. And we've talked about this before, those of you who've been around. And what we've done to understand what grace is, is contrast it with mercy. So mercy is not getting what you deserve. Okay, mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. And here's the reality. For all of sin falls short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. Okay? Now, grace is different than mercy. Grace is when we are getting what we don't deserve. And sometimes this kind of idea falls short in a Western mindset as we approach the gospel. And what I mean by that is in the Western world, we think about our sin. Jesus paid the price for our sin. <coughs> you know, we have faith in Jesus. It's a transaction type of thought. There's justification, all these things, and we work it out. But from an Eastern point of view, which the Bible was written in more of an Eastern point of view, there's a problem that's encountered that we don't talk about that much, and it's shame. The idea is not just that we have sinned and there's a penalty that needs to be paid. The problem with shame is now there's a relationship that is broken. I read a story just this morning, actually, about a Hindu woman who came 
to Christ. And when she came to Christ and was publicly baptized, she got an official letter from her family saying that if she did not renounce her faith publicly in the newspaper in the next three days or five days, she needed to move out. She was thrown out of her home. And that meant out of her family, out of care, out of relationship. That's shame. <coughs> so grace is receiving something that we don't deserve, and that's a restored relationship. So grace is available through Jesus Christ. In the text here, as we move past verse 14, we are told that the law came through Moses, contrasted with grace and truth that came through Jesus Christ in verse 17. Now, when we're looking at uh, texts and scripture, um, those of you who are around know that we, we talk about hyperlinks. There are certain things where the writer says something that we're supposed to go, oh, wait a minute, he is hyperlinking, he is linking this story to something else. And we don't have time to go through all the hyperlinks in this passage because uh, the, all the special music, they cut me short. <laughs> um, but, but just an overview here. Moses in the Old Testament is a rock star. Um, Moses is it. And here uh, we're reminded in, in Exodus chapter 33 <coughs> that uh, if there was anybody that was close to God, it was Moses. In fact, it is said of Moses <coughs> that he used to uh, the, the, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Now, we know that Moses didn't actually see the face of God, but it's, it's, a, it's an illustration of how close their relationship was. So because of that relationship, Moses says, uh, if you found favor in, my, uh, in me, show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. And God says, the very thing that you asked for, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And he says, you have found favor in my sight. I know you by name. And so Moses says, please show me your glory. Now, we just talked about glory last week. And so we can see the, the hyperlink there. And he said, God said, you know what? I'm going to make my goodness pass before you. And I'm going to proclaim to you my name. And the Lord, he says, I am the Lord. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. But he said, you can't see my face, because no one can see my face and live. So what happens is, God places Moses on rock, and he passes by him, and he declares all this stuff to him. And then he says, all right, Moses, write down the laws again. Because you remember, he dropped the other ones. So he says, write those down again. So all this is a reference to that. Now, when you and I think of law, We think of a negative concept. But for Moses and for Israel, and really for us as well, there's grace in the law. The law says, here's how you can operate without offending me, without causing problems. But then Jesus comes and he ups that and he says, here's how you can not just you know, keep a good relationship, but here's how we can live together. Here's how we can have relationship. Here's how that shame can be restored. And I want to share one other Old Testament text, or try to share one more Old Testament text, and then we'll just kind of dig into this. And I, 
I always show this to my students at Corbin and, and make them wrestle with it a little bit. I think it really raises the issue that we have, and it's found in Exodus 34. And it's one of those verses where um, you, if you've kind of been around churchy people too long, um, you'll notice that they have like church paraphernalia all over their home. Um, I had a friend in high school and uh, I went to visit one time. We were just, I, don't, I can't even remember why we were hanging out. And, and, uh, and I went to use their restroom. And, uh, and I came out and I said to him, I said, man, good night. Someone can find God in there. Like there's, there were so many verses in the bathroom. It was like, um, and these are, this is one of those verses that people like to put up, but the, then they don't put up the second half of it. And so in Exodus 34, in verse 6, it said, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Here's that passage again. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Doesn't that sound awesome? I mean, that is, that is New Testament Jesus all over the place. But here's the problem. The next word is, but. But, who will by no means clear the guilty? Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. (coughs) Which is it? Mercy or judgment? And see, in the person of Jesus Christ, when he goes to the cross, we find both. God's judgment on our sin and God's mercy to you and I. God's grace. And so both are satisfied on the cross. Grace and truth came through Jesus. It is Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that make a relationship with God possible accessible through Jesus. It provides grace and he takes on the punishment. So God's grace is available through Jesus Christ. It's also accessible. Now, if grace is available, then there's an avenue to get it. Um, Some of you might say, well, you're kind of saying the same thing over again. And and here's why I'm saying it. So often people go, you know what? I get that God loves people. People. I get that God loves the world and that he died for the world, but somehow they think it doesn't apply to them. Sometimes we don't believe that God can forgive us, change us, impact us. But that is really what the Christmas story and Jesus' birth is all about. He came so that you might have life. Now, on your notes there in your bulletins, if you're looking at them, and it's okay if you're not, there's a passage from Titus chapter 2. And I want to really just talk about this accessibility of grace, what it means when it enters our life. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, say this. For the grace of God has appeared. Okay, that sounds very much like John chapter 1. Bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, 
the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. So just a few things here. God's grace is for all. And Paul is writing this to a Gentile audience and he's just trying to make sure that we all understand this isn't just a Jewish thing. This isn't an American thing. This isn't a white thing. This is, this, is, this is all people of all nations of all time. God's grace is available to you. Second, God's grace is for training. Something happens or should happen to us when we encounter God's grace. It's not that we get God's grace and we go, I'm living on easy street now. I can do whatever I want. No, he says, God's grace is for training. It's for teaching us, specifically in this passage, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. <coughs> it's to bring about a change in your life. Third, God's grace is costly. He says, um, it came, verse 13, waiting for this blessed hope, the appearing of our glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself. God's grace only comes through the life and death of Jesus Christ. It was costly. And hopefully God's grace is motiv motivating. It should motivate us to live differently. Now, I, I love the words here, and this is why I want to jump to this passage. He says in here, to renounce ungodliness. It's that sin, those, those things that are pulling at us. And notice also, he says, and worldly passions. What is it that often gets us in trouble? It's going after the wrong things. It's chasing after wrong things. It's trying to, to get enough to fill this thing that I think is, is gonna make me happy when it's not. And then finally, <laughs> just real briefly, grace is abundant in Jesus Christ. And I, I feel like some people may need to hear this this morning. So if this is the only thing you hear, may, maybe this is for you. I want you to know that you are never too far gone for God's grace. You are never too far gone for God's grace. His grace does not run out. This passage here uh, in verse 17 where it says grace, excuse me, verse 16, grace upon grace. Um, one commentator said it, it was more literal, grace instead of grace, right? Which do you want? Do you want grace or grace? This is what God is offering you. Would you like some of his grace or some of his grace? Yeah, good choice. Yes. Right, other translations, grace following grace, grace heaped upon grace. We're right in this last bit of Christmas rush. And some of you, I don't want an amen for this one, but it's going to end here soon. <laughs> the presents are going to be opened. The sugar's going to be, you know, renounced and placed a curse upon. <laughs> the decorations are going to be put away. The mess is going to be cleaned up. And the spirit of Christmas is going to be put in boxes and put back in the garage or the shed until next year. But God's grace is not. 
There's not a season for God's grace. If you're living and here and breathing, it is the season for God's grace. And so maybe, maybe this Christmas season isn't about, I almost said tinsel. Half of you don't know what tinsel is anymore. It's illegal. <laughs> it's what we picked out of our vacuums in January when I was a kid. Uh, all the decorations are going to be put away. But maybe for you this season, what you need to receive is God's grace. So here's my application. Um, and, and just maybe what you need to apply. Receive God's grace. Give your life to him. Trust in him. Place your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Maybe for some of you, maybe this isn't the greatest holiday season and you've got a lot of uh, maybe health issues or financial issues or relational issues or whatever it is. And maybe the word for you is just rest in God's grace. Just rest in God's grace. Be assured that his hand is upon you. And then third, um, for some of you who are in that right place, maybe this is the time where you need to reveal God's grace to those who are joining at your table this Christmas. Maybe you need to say, hey, you need to join in this process. Um, we're here to talk about these things. This is what is important. And so if you're here this morning and need to know more about God's grace, we'd ask that you would talk to Pastor Rich or I afterwards. Let's pray. Lord, as we enter into this celebration of Christmas through the reading of your word and through music, we thank you uh, that this is about your grace showing up in the person of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you loved us and still love us. We thank you that you both provide grace and mercy, but also that you pay the price of sin. And so, Lord, we... Uh, we lean on you this Christmas season that we might receive your grace, that we might rest in it and reveal it to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.